Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm a senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. Inside your bulletin, you will find an outline entitled Praying for Our Leaders. Uh, we live in an interesting time right now. We have the Olympics going on, and we're cheering for our men and women who are representing us in the Olympic Games. We also have an election going on, and I can't remember an election in recent history where there were more negative ads. It's been that way all through the uh, preliminaries going up to now to heading into election season, and we're going to, and there's still a couple months to go. And so it's easy to hear all kinds of things that get you so demoralized that we, don't, we may not even want to participate. Um, I talked to somebody the other day, they said, I don't think I'm even going to vote. Don't even want to play anymore. And today I'd like to talk to you about what the Bible has to say about how we're supposed to regard our leaders and why not voting is a bad idea. And just opting out of things and saying, hey, we're not going to be a part of that. Believe it or not, Christians have always struggled with, because we're supposed to be in the world but not of it, some people have said, well, the governments of the world are evil. And we all go, amen, every time we write our taxes, okay, amen, governments are evil. Okay, <laughs> we feel that way. And governments, as long as they've existed, governments have always fallen short because governments are made up of people. And people can get corrupted and people make mistakes and people do things that are wrong. And so some Christians have said, hey, we just got to worry about Christian stuff and leave the politicians and the world and world governments, leave all that to them. But other Christians have said, well, how are we supposed to carry the message to the whole world? How are we supposed to be salt and light unless we're involved? And if we're going to be involved, what's the appropriate way to do that? And that's where I'm coming from today. And today I'd like to share with us how we can pray for our government, how we can show honor and respect to our government, and to our government leader, governmental leaders. And this is really important that we get our attitudes right. Now, if you need a pen for taking some notes, I hope you'll grab one, because this is worth taking some notes on, because this will be some, some food for thought here. But you and I, this is, people ask me, why are you doing this message? It's like, because this is a message I need to hear. This is what I'm working on myself. Am I going to be part of the solution or part of the problem? And hopefully this will help us uh, focus our energies the right way. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you that we have an opportunity to look at your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And your word has a lot to say about how we're supposed to treat our governmental leaders. Even the leaders that aren't uh, Christians. Even leaders that aren't doing things that we agree with at all. And so, Father, I just pray that you will um, speak to us today. And you'll remind us again of some things that are terribly important. We want to be salt and light in this world not just passengers along for a ride and letting everybody else do whatever they want to do. And so, God, I just um, ask you to encourage us today. Please speak and move me out of the way. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, point one, and we're going to call this praying for our leaders because God wants us to pray for our leaders. Let me just get that out of the chute right away here, that this is one of the things that we can all do. Paul wrote this to Timothy. He said, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. You know, when uh, the preamble to the Constitution was written, they made it very clear in here that they were trying to perform a more perfect union here. The Constitution was to guarantee that so they could establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, they could provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. Common defense, general welfare, provide liberty. And Paul was saying, hey, this is what we need to pray for so we can live 
live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. And this is point A on your outline. Our leaders are God's agents for doing that, for keeping order and restraining evil. This is why governments are necessary. The Bible teaches us that our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? And that if we don't have governments to restrain evil, we run wild. We've just spent a whole, the last month, talking basically stories from the book of Judges and a little bit on either side. When there was no king, when there was no authority, people ran wild. And if we don't have a government to restrain evil, well, my goodness, how evil could it be? And so we need to pray for our leaders. And we need to uphold the law. The rule of law is vital to us as Christians if we're going to carry out the ministry that God has given us and the mission he's given us. And so we're not supposed to stay disengaged from this. We care about this. We're not just here waiting around until we die to go to heaven. We have a mission. And it's important that we have a government that restrains evil and keeps order so we can get that done. First Peter 2, Peter said, Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect authorities. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They're God's emissaries for keeping order. I mean, if you're horrified like I am, that in some places now we've even had several different incidences in our culture where people have had an open season on police officers. Well, that's horrifying. And we should be horrified. We have to keep order here. And we have to pray that, hey, whatever we need to fix here to get this attitude changed, the police officers are there. That's important they're there. They restrain evil and keep order, and we have to have this. These are men and women who place their lives on the line every time they go out to work. Well, of course we need to pray for them. Those are some of the people that we need to pray for. But we need to pray for our society as well, and you'll see that even as we go through this, that, hey, we need to address the issues here that are causing people to think so wrongly about this. Everyone must, that was 1 Peter 2, that was Peter. Here's Paul in Romans 13. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authorities is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they'll be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Then we'll then do what's right, and they'll honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, well, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They're God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So 1 Peter 2, they're keeping the order at the end of Romans 13 here, punishing those who do what's wrong. Some translations, they don't bear the sword for nothing. That's why we empower them to do that, to restrain evil and punish people who do what's wrong. And so we need good judges. We need good district attorneys. We need good police officers. We need good lawmakers who make good laws in the first place for these people to enforce. We need good executive officers in the governor's office, in the president's office, in the mayor's office to carry these things out, make sure they're being done. I think we should pray about that, don't you? If you agree with that, would you say amen? amen? But you know what happens is we can get so jaded and we can get so angry and we can get so fed up about things that uh, I'm not even going to pray. Yeah, I'm done with them. And today, can I beg you not to do that? That brings us to point B. We must ask God to help our leaders. Where would you get that idea? Well, up in that first verse in 1 Timothy 2, 
pray for all people, ask God to help them, especially our leaders, our kings and all those in authority, ask God to help them. Now look, you and I can make and take an honest stock of things. When's the last time that we said, God help our president, God help our governor? I mean, currently right now, we have a, a sitting governor, as we're, you know, if you're watching this somewhere else in the United States or around the world, we have a, a sitting governor where people are threatening to impeach him. We have a Speaker of the House here in Alabama, uh, the House of Representatives, who's just been sentenced to, to jail time. We have uh, a, a number of issues that we disagree with on social issues across the nation. As evangelical Christians, I'm deeply concerned about things. So did I just give up? Do I just quit praying? And all too often, that's our stance. Well, I'll pray for them as long as they're doing what I want, but the minute that, whoop, no, I'm done. I didn't vote for him. I ain't praying for him. Well, wouldn't it make sense that especially if we felt like people were going the wrong way, that would be all the more important to pray for them? I mean, if your kids are going the wrong way, isn't that the time to pray more earnestly? For those of you watching, it's as quiet as it can possibly be here right now, okay? I'm telling you, I have wrestled with this. And let me show you some scriptures here, some things I'm praying for right now. So if I'm going to pray for our president, for our governor, for our mayor, for our police chief, for our sheriff, for anybody, for our teachers at schools, for principals, anybody in authority, think about all these positions. You could put anybody's name in here. Here's some things that would go across the board. They need wise counsel. They do. Um, and I've given you scripture references for all these things. You could turn them into prayers yourself. But here's Proverbs 11:14. Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There's safety in having many advisors. I mean, why on earth would I not pray that there would be people who would speak truth to our governor, speak truth to our mayor, speak truth to uh, our police chief, speak truth to our president? Godly truth. Especially if I believe there's a decision they're making that's wrong. Well, that'd be all the more reason to pray. They need good staff. Proverbs 14.35, a king rejoices in wise servants. I mean, even if they make the right decision, they have incompetent staff, it's not going to get done. They need protection. There's a reference there. King Darius was uh, one of the kings, uh, after the Israelites had been in exile, they returned to the promised land. King Darius said, make sure the priests have everything they need so they can offer good sacrifices before God. And that way they'll be able to pray for me and my sons that God will give us safety. I mean, people, people are always in threats. Of le- people in leadership are always in threats of danger. Do we pray for that? I mean, we don't want turmoil. We don't want them to be afraid for their lives. They need courage to carry out justice and restrain evil. Again, if that's what they do, if they're supposed to keep order and restrain evil, well, they're going to need courage for that. It's an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, and a throne is established by righteousness. I mean, Proverbs 16. It's an abomination if they're doing the wrong thing. Well, that's why we pray. Now, look, I'm going to tell you right now, you and I have to believe that prayer is doing something. I remember the parent not that long ago about a teenage uh, boy who was walking on the wild side of life. I said, boy, we're, we're going to stop and pray for your son. And he goes, okay, but then after that, we're going to do something, right? I said, no, we're going to do that first because that is doing something. And here's a question for you and me. Do we honestly believe that prayer really, that God really listens to prayer? 
this is the, I mean, the amens are so anemic right here. Again, you can't believe this. Do we honestly believe that God answers prayer? Amen. Well, then why don't we pray more? Why would I just throw in the towel? Why would I go, ah, I'm going to worry about Christian stuff. I'll let the politicians sort that themselves as if we don't live, if, as if we're not citizens in this world right now. And we're supposed to be here. We're supposed to be in the world, not of it. Well, this is one way to do it. They need humility. Psalm 72, 11, there are others here. You can just write the margin. Jesus is the king of kings. You can be the most popular president we've ever had. You're not the king of kings. You're president of the United States. You're not the king of kings. You might be the governor of Alabama, the governor of California, but you're not the, you're not the king of kings. That belongs to Jesus alone. We need to pray that our leaders never forget that. They need to speak carefully and truthfully. Man, we could pray for that. God would set a guard over their lips. Um, here's an interesting one, Proverbs 16. Kings love those who speak honestly. Lies are not fitting for a ruler. Whew. We get so jaded these days. Yeah, everybody lies. We don't even pray about this anymore. They need accountability. Psalm 141.5. Let the righteous strike me. It's a kindness. I mean, David prayed prayers like that as king. Lord, don't let me get too far off track. Let a righteous man strike me across the face. I'll look at it as a kindness. Because he kept me from doing something wicked and wrong. Could we pray that our leaders would have people to tell them the truth even when it hurts? Godly men and women would walk in their office and go, what you're doing is not right. Are we praying about that? Or are we just giving out, oh, that'll never happen? I mean, God doesn't really answer prayers. Really? And if they're doing wrong, they need to repent. Second Chronicles 33 is a story of wicked king Manasseh offered his children in a fire, baby sacrifice. That's how wicked this man was. And even he repented later in his life and gave glory to God, and God showed him mercy. I mean, stories are in the Bible of this. These are things that you and I can pray for. The question is, well, we pray. If we're going to pray for our leaders, well, what will we pray for? Well, they need counsel. They need good staff. They need protection. They need courage to carry out justice. They need humility. They need to speak carefully and truthfully. They need accountability. If they're doing wrong, they need to repent. I mean, I could add many more, but that's a good starting place, wouldn't it be? And what if every time I got fed up, every time if I was concerned about our governor, every time I was concerned about our mayor, every time I was concerned about anybody in authority anywhere, I would say, God, I'm going to get out of this list and pray for them. Now, if you turn your outline over, point C is, I'm not going to be able to do that unless I get the rest of those chapters. I read you a little bit of Peter's advice on this, you know, from 1 Peter 2. Well, they talk about some of the things there. It goes on about honor and respect, and Paul in Romans 13, and when Paul wrote to Titus, this is over and over again. Point C, we must show our leaders respect and honor. And we've lost this in our culture. And we've lost this. Completely. No respect for the position. Not just respect, not just loss of respect for police officers. We've lost respect for our president. We've lost respect for the office of president. We've lost respect for every office. And we talk about people. I mean, you can watch cable news networks, and we're talking about highly elected officials, Supreme Court justices, senators, um, congressmen, the president, governors, 
and the people on the talking heads and the talk shows will call them bozos, clowns, liars, fruitcakes. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, there's no honor and respect in that. And you know what happens if we do this? We go through an election cycle. One of the two candidates, the Democrat or the Republican, is going to win. One of them is going to win. And if I have demonized the person on the other side so much that they're a fruitcake, bozo, liar, fraud, blankety-blank, whatever, how am I going to pray for them? Well, I'm not. And Peter and Paul warn us over and over again, don't be that way. You're a Christian here. You're in this world to be salt and light. Don't you get into that. People did that in their day. By the way, all these, these uh, chunks here were all written while Nero was emperor in Rome. He was a wicked man who persecuted Christians. And Paul and Peter both prayed for him and said, that's the way you need to handle this. I mean, he killed Christians. Titus 3.1, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what's good. Paul, Romans 13, again, so you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes too, for these same reasons, for these same reasons, for government workers need to be paid. They're serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. Give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Now, before we get too far, some of us have, so you're saying if they told me to commit murder, I should do it. No, no, note, we must not submit to our leaders. This means disobeying God. There's plenty of places, Old Testament and New. Just pick two of them here. Acts 5.29, the apostles are drugged before the high council. Um, Peter and John and all the rest of the apostles have been ordered never to speak or teach in the name of Jesus again. And yet they kept on doing it. And people kept coming to Christ and they brought him in and said, we told you to quit talking about Jesus. And here's what they said. We must not, uh, they said, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told to bow down to an idol because King Nebuchadnezzar had set it up. And they, they knew the commandments. They knew they shouldn't bow down to any graven image. And here's what they said. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He'll rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. And they were bound hand and foot and thrown into the furnace. God did rescue them, but they were ready to die if he didn't. The apostles had been uh, jailed already for this. Later, they were beaten. They said, no, no, we're not going to compromise our faith. But when Paul... And Peter, and Peter's one of those guys, and he's still writing. After, even after he had been beaten and jailed, Paul had been shipwrecked, had been beaten, been mocked all over the place. His own, a lot of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they were after him with death warrants. They had bounties on his head. Yet he's saying, hey, respect those in authority. Show them honor. Right before this, in Romans 12, when it says not repaying evil for evil, he says as far as is possible with you. Are we doing things as far as is possible with us? If you can pay your taxes, well, then pay your taxes. If you give respect, if they deserve respect, show respect. If you have a vote, vote. To say I've done all I can to influence our government rightly, but I didn't even vote seriously, 
I did all I could, but I never prayed one time for either of the candidates running for president of the United States. I haven't prayed one minute for them. And you did all you could by not praying and by not voting. Yep. So I included a thing here about how to pray for ourselves. If I'm going to pray for our leaders, I also got to pray for myself. So do you. It's God's will, Peter again, that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. Respect the government. That's why, again, respect the government. We have to have a government that restrains evil, maintains order. So how would I pray for myself? Well, first of all, I need to show respect to my leaders. And you can put in there, even on Facebook and Twitter. (laughs) Oh, whoa. I mean, we say amazingly horrible things. Pass on things a lot of times that aren't even true. Because somebody else posted it, and then we look it up later. Oh, yeah, that was completely false. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Oh, we don't even say that. We just go on. And anybody who's served in public office and run for public office can tell you what it's like to have people make up lies about them. And it's painful and horrible. You talk to the spouses of people. They'll tell you what it's like. And some of the people who make up those lies are in church every Sunday. Not us. Let's not be that way. And if we're going to be salt and light, this is a part of it. We need to think of others more importantly than ourselves. Philippians 2, uh, 2 through 4. What does it say in that passage? Think of others more importantly than yourselves. Well, how would that come to an election? Well, I need to listen to other people. I want them to listen to me. And how about I listen to them? How can I persuade anybody of a viewpoint if I don't even respect them? Enough to listen to them. We live now where people are on TV and they just shout over each other. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can't even hear anything because nobody's listening. We need to live out our faith. Honorable behavior silences our critics. That passage, I just read it up there. Then we'll see that we're not, they'll see we're not a threat to society if Christians live out our faith. We don't use our freedom. Yeah, we're citizens of the next world. That doesn't mean we don't involve ourselves in praying for and doing what we can to influence the policies while we're here. We need protection for our religious freedoms. We need to pray about that. 2 Thessalonians 3.2, Paul talked about this. Pray that we will be delivered from wicked and evil people. Not everyone's a believer. We do need to pray for that. Our religious freedoms can be taken away from us. Our ability to speak the word of God clearly, that can be taken away. Paul acknowledged it in his day. It's true in our day. It's true. Are we praying for that? Are we speaking out about that? Because that goes to the next one. We need boldness. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain the gospel. Paul in Ephesians 6 there. I want the right words. I want courage and boldness. There are times for us to speak up. And if we listen to people and show honor and respect, I believe we'll have those opportunities. I believe we'll have many of them. And we can share our perspectives. And if we're not insulting people, using profanity, posting things that should never be posted, maybe when we speak, people will give us a shot. (laughs) 
We need to get God's perspective from the Bible. I mean, these are just a couple of verses from Psalm 119. Your words, a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. That's how we understand all the social issues and things, whether it's um, the definition of marriage, whether it's the sanctity of life, whether it's how we're supposed to uh, justice and help for the poor, all these things. Where are we going to get instructions on these things? From God's Word. And that's why we can come to the table. We need to be at the table. Let's not disqualify ourselves. And let's certainly not bow out. A couple more things real quickly. Um, We need to stay on mission and trust that God's in control. I'm going to get those in a little bit. Let me hit the last point real quickly and I'll come back to those. Point two, praying for our leaders is the right thing to do. Here's the rest of 1 Timothy 2. These are the next three verses. This makes God happy. When we pray for our leaders, that God will help them. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. There's only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is what I meant by staying on mission. The reason we're praying for domestic tranquility, the reason we're praying for the common welfare, the reason we're praying for uh, peaceful and quiet lives of godliness and dignity is so that we can be on mission. What's our mission? To go and make disciples. The reason that we want to show honor and respect, the reason we want to set a guard on our tongues is we have an opportunity in the midst of political debates, in the midst of heated discussions about social policies, in the midst of crises where our leaders do things that are ethically and morally wrong. We have a chance to speak up. to teach people about righteousness, to teach people about forgiveness, to teach people about prayer, to give an answer for the hope we have through Christ Jesus. This is our time. And we dare not miss it. And we dare not abdicate it. And forget why we're here. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You never know. I mean, even in some of the judges' stories, we talked about Samson, in spite of Samson's weaknesses, in spite of his lusts and uh, grabs for power and other things, God used him. And remember, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our leaders too, not just you and me. Do we pray for their salvation? Do we pray for their reclamation? Do we pray that God will turn them around if they're going the wrong way? Or have we just given up and said, they're beyond help? Thank God my mom and others didn't do that on me. Keep on asking. You'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. The only question is, Jesus told this to his disciples so they wouldn't quit praying. We live in a fallen world. That's true. Leaders will disappoint us. That's true. We are not in heaven yet. That's true. We have a mission to make disciples. Yes, we do. And so we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to make sure we show honor and respect and treat people the way God wants us to treat them. Would you pray with me, please? God, I just pray that you remind us of why we're here. And God, that we would not, that we'd be part of the solution, not part of the problem. 
put a guard over our tongues and open our minds to the things we need to see, open our mouths only to the things we need to say, and give us boldness to make the most of every opportunity. God, we're going to have to research things and we're going to have to understand what's going on in order to have to cast a meaningful vote. That's not lazy man's work. These things are complicated and oftentimes people disappoint us. That's why we're grateful that you're in control. We pray these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.